Hello, saucers. Welcome to episode three of season two. This week, we hear as Molly has taken some time off between jobs, she has made her final decision about what she is going to be doing next, and she shares it with us this week. Congrats, Molly. And then we take it in as we've gone on this great resignation on these past few episodes. We go into this episode as Molly and I are both starting new roles. Um, we go into this episode talking about how to get ramped quickly and some best biz tips and tricks that we've learned along the way starting our new jobs. We hope that you enjoy and thank you always for tuning in. Hi, and welcome to the Sauce Podcast, where you will meet your hosts, Molly McKinstry and me, Liz Hajar. We are two colleagues turned friends who worked together in tech sales for nearly 10 years. Throughout those 10 years, we grew a lot personally and professionally. Today, Molly runs a sales org at a tech startup. She lives in Denver, Colorado with four children. I live in London and I'm running a sales team and for Northern Europe of a tech startup as well. Molly and I are different in many ways, but share the same values and drive. And that is how we built a wonderful friendship. While we no longer work together at the same company, we put our heads together and dreamed up the Sauce Podcast. We wanted to have a platform that would build a community where we and others share all their business tips, tricks, and perspectives we or they have learned along the way. So Saucers, tune in each week as Molly and I share business tips and tricks and have fun with us along the way. Hi, Lizzie. Molly. Um, I think you just wrapped up a sabbatical and we need to hear about the sabbatical and what is next for Molly McKinstry. I know, I know I did. And, you know, we are pre-recording this. So um, this is a, a few weeks before you all will hear, but yes, we, I have officially started my new job. I am the head of enterprise sales at Calendly which I'm so thrilled to be able to formally announce and share. Um, And again, yes, by the time this episode launches, I'll be a solid month in. But currently, Lizzie, I am on day three. Day three. Okay, Molly, I am so excited about this step. We have gushed over each other. So everyone knows how proud I am and what a great product. And like a cool, like you had mentioned that kind of your compass when you were looking for a job was the mission was one thing, the product, and you were looking for a different industry. It was the mission, yeah. maybe it was the people, sorry, in the culture. Yeah. Yeah, and um, and also a kind of a different industry. So yeah. Calendly for those, yeah, go ahead, Mom. Sorry, no, I'm not trying to talk over you, no, but you're, you're spot on. I wanted a big change yeah. from um, being an HR tech and and solely focused on like employer brand and recruiting. Calendly is still very much in tech. It's a scheduling platform, and it really like the the tagline is easy ahead and how to make scheduling and finding time with people easy so you get time back to focus on other parts of, you know, your day. So, I mean, again, I'm on day three. I have a lot to still (laughs) learn, um, but it's such a different company story than Glassdoor. It's a Mm -hmm. completely product-led growth organization where now we have to figure out the sales motion and I'm I'm just thrilled. It's going to stretch me. I'm going to learn a lot. And so far the people are absolutely, um, you know, checking all the, all the boxes that I had hoped for. 
which is wonderful. So um, I think we have many episodes now that you and I have both yes. changed jobs in the last six months. And so maybe actually I might be on month nine here at High Spot. But as we've changed, I think we could do many episodes on things that we've learned. But I think what would be really cool is you're on day three. I think I'm into month nine right now at High Spot. Um, I think it'd be really cool to talk a little bit about your observations, like day three, what are you seeing? And my observations on day nine of kind of what we've noticed as we go through, um, as we've as we've gone to new companies, especially after being a company for a long time, what mm. are some things that we immediately immediately noticed um, and or tips that we could share um, with the saucers? Yeah. And month nine, you said day nine, but yeah, you, you're, oh, month excuse me. Nine. you're month nine. I would love that. And especially again, we've, we've documented a lot of this journey, how to get to the decision to leave a role, how to know it's time, you know, how to interview. And so it just feels very appropriate to now talk about, okay, how do you start a new job and how do you do so successfully with a lot of confidence and, you know, come in, come in strong and make the impact all of us would want to make when you're starting at a new company. Yeah, I love that. So let's, I'll jump into maybe there's two or three tips that we can share today, um, right. dive into them. And then as your journey continues at Calendly and mine at High Spot, like especially saucers, if there's more you want to hear from us, we'll, we'll share. But I think number one is after being at a place for 10 years and like where you were one of the first employees and grew to it getting larger, there were changes that came in and we can talk a lot about hiring people from internally and externally, all of that. But there was a communication style that eventually a company kind of got into a cadence and Glassdoor got into a really good communication cadence. But there was a lot of things that were very common for me about how we how we conversed on Slack, what would come through Slack, what would come through email, how we handled Zoom meetings, especially during COVID time when we all went to Zoom or Microsoft Teams. We just, I use Zooms at both companies. So one big thing that I noticed right off the bat when I walked into Highspot I will never forget their Slack instance was just like Glassdoor's, which was great, but they used Slack. They had groups. A lot of communication at Highspot is done over Slack more than Glassdoor. And they had, they just would whip up groups. If all of a sudden you're in a meeting and you're helping plan a, an event, um, maybe we're having a huge sales conference of some type, you are in a Slack group and you are watching those updates and you have got to stay on top of it because yeah. that is the way the communication is coming to you. Not a big email packaged up with links. It is all, a lot of it is in Slack. So yeah. that was something that was very, yes, I had used Slack, but it was a lot more for a one-on-one -on -one and sometimes a group conversation, but not like moving events as much as Highspot is, um, is one big notice that I had. Yeah. And I think that is so interesting and what an important observation because, I mean, going back to some of our earliest episodes from season one, talking about the importance of your communication style and how written, verbal, however, whatever kind of communication you're involved in, it is a an impression moment for who you are, who is Liz Hajar, who is Molly yes. McKinstry. So knowing and understanding the norms for your new company of how they communicate, what does, what does exceptional communication look like there compared to where you're coming from is yeah. so important because I think what I hear you saying, Liz, is like, if you had showed up and written this enormous like multiple paragraph email and you'd hyperlinked it and you sent that to your org, it might've been a beautifully written, well-crafted note, but they may have been like, huh, this feels kind of off brand for high spot and how we 
communicate. So I think it is really, really important to spend the time on what does exceptional communication look like at your new company and be willing to mold and adapt because it may not be what you're most comfortable with or used to. Exactly. Exactly. And it's so funny because people at Highspot, I even say, I feel like we use Slack quite a bit for large conversations and they're like, oh, in my old company, there wasn't my inbox had two emails a day and that's all that they got. So exactly. It's finding that balance and it's find that balance. And then we won't go into it here, but when you go on Slack, you know, so then what about exceptional communication, two things. So when you're on Slack and you're in these groups, is it emojis? Is it quick, short answers? Is it long answers? What? And we won't go into that, but I think you that's something else you need to look for is how does the company and the team respond in those Slack channels and what does that look like? And that's important because I could go in there emojiing it up, but no one, everyone else is saying, okay, understood, yes, or long paragraphs. So that's another piece of exceptional communication, I think, especially in a, in a Slack type of chat environment. Yeah, I think all of that, such good perspective. And again, I am very, very early days at Calendly, so I don't have my arms fully wrapped around, you know, what communication norms are here quite yet. But here's just one other perspective before I think we can jump into our our next tip. We're saying it's important to know the, the communication norms. It's important to be willing to adapt, be willing to mold to how your company does it. One asterisk. It is also important to differentiate yourself and and stand out. So I don't think that means go rewrite the communication paths. And I don't think that means go against what the rest of the group is doing. But to your point, Liz, on like engaging on a Slack thread, emojis or not, I really want, for myself at least, I want to still be who I am. And like, I am someone who uses emojis. I am someone who uses emojis as a way in written communication, especially if it's like a casual informal Slack, that I want people to see my excitement or or how I am feeling. And so I would, I would just say like, also be yourself, be your individual self and, and, and respect and follow the norms of how your new organization communicates. But don't lose whatever your kind of trademark style is because it's going to be important to your happiness being yourself. I think a little, exactly. And I know you, Maul, and your communication, Maul is very authentic in her communication and how you communicate. I am, I think, well, it's a lot my wording, I think is more authentic in me, but I will sometimes mold a little bit to like, what's the company doing? But I always like, I'm through and through authentic, so I'll keep it. But I think it's a very good point you bring up you know, understand the, how the company kind of operates, but keep your authentic, yeah. authenticity there. And I think Maul, just in this mm-hmm. situation, I think you would be super authentic in your communication because it's so, you're so good at it, important to you. I think I would mold a little bit to like what the company does yeah. and I'd ride that out. But, um, but my words would probably still be very authentic, Liz. So I think that's fair for saucers to hear that. You know what I mean? Like, but I agree with you, Maul, a fair point. I'm actually laughing because so many times people say that my written communication via either email or text, they're like, it actually sounds exactly how you speak. (laughs) Yes. I don't, I don't know why. And I don't know why that is, but I get that feedback a lot that my delivery in text or email or Slack is verbatim how I speak. So, you know, sort of like rounding out communication, Pay attention to it, respect and and learn the norms of your new company and 
find the way you can adopt that and still be your authentic self. Yes. One more pro tip I'm throwing in here. If you are new, no matter what, no matter what role you are in, lean into that communication and be present and be in it. Okay. Whether it's a Slack channel, whether it's an email, I love, and I had to push myself to do this when I started at high spot because sometimes I'm like, I read it. Cool. Moving on. I paused. I replied all. I responded. I put the emoji in the chat. Again, Molly, I think this is something you're very strong at. You have no problem having that presence. Um, And that's something that I had to make sure I leaned into here that um, on Zoom, always have your your camera on um, if possible, if you're not, you know, Zoom fatigue, et cetera. So I just want to say saucers, lean into the communication. I'll just say when I see new people come in, and, you know, respectfully lean in. I'm like, yes, be present, show wow. up. You are new. That does not mean you need to hide. You can reply all and say, hello. You can reply all and answer a question, like be a learn it all, not a know it all, a high spot yeah. thing. Ooh, but yeah. I wanted to also talk on communication. Like, don't feel like just because you're new, you can't participate in the communication. Um, you don't need to be giving tips and advice on your first day, but I think yeah. you can be present saying, thank you for the welcome, or, you know, I'm looking forward to learning more about this. Be present. And that's something that I pushed myself on when I came to High Spot. And I'm so glad I did. And I kind of had Molly McKinstry in my ear telling, reminding me to be present. And so thank you. So a lot on communication, but I want to, I think that's an important point. I love it. But it also is a good segue to the next tip. We, we talked about Liz and I, and just prep for this interview, an enormous priority we both think in a successful onboarding experience at a new company is meeting meeting people, meeting your new colleagues, meeting your new employees. How and where do you do that? How does that look? And realize people are, all of you, all of us are going to have different different roles, different levels. So who you need to meet and again, how you meet them it's going to vary. So Lizzie, how did you tackle that when you were onboarding at high spot? Yeah. And I work for a company that's headquartered in the U S and has, um, you know, has hundreds of employees in the U S and we, you know, and only so many employees in the EMEA region, Europe, Middle East and, and Africa. So I also had to find the balance in a lot of our executive team is in the U.S., et cetera, and a lot of our cross-functional leaders are in the U.S. So there's also having to find that balance of who's who. And so I just want to start off with, I lived on LinkedIn when I first started, just had it up all the time. When I'd get into a meeting and somebody was leading it, I'd go look at who they were. I would add them and I would drop a note to them when I added them saying, I'm new here in EMEA, um, would love to get time on your calendar at time. I think it's great to throw a note on and add that. Also, in our system, our HRIS, our HR system, we had amazing org charts, and I lived and breathed in those org charts to understand who everybody was. And that's because when I got my role, we had incredible onboarding here. A piece of it, though, was like you kind of got the org charts, but when there's hundreds and hundreds of people, and some of you guys thousands, I didn't know who was who and what org reported where. So the two things I lived in was org charts, which was in Workday and LinkedIn. Um, and I friended people on LinkedIn or added them. And I always wrote a note just saying who I was. And I was looking forward to getting time with them or working with them in the future. I think both of those are such great pieces of advice. I would agree completely on spending time in the org chart, whether, you know, again, if you're in a tech company or you're likely using Workday or some HRIS app that, you know, is real time and, and lives online. If, you know, you don't have access to that, I'm, every organization is going to give you a an org chart. And I do agree that that is very important. It's not only important for 
relationship development, knowing who to meet, knowing to introduce yourself, who to introduce yourself to. But I do think it actually gives you that insight into how the company is running based on what each part of the organization looks like. So, you know, as an example, again, if you may be at a company that is very, very heavy on product and engineering, but lighter on sales and marketing, and you can see that in the org chart. So that can tell you, okay, obviously we've invested heavily so far in product and eng, and now we are making moves on, you know, the other, maybe like customer facing side of the business. So I do think not only is it important to meet these people and form those relationships, it's valuable to understand how this company has scaled and where so far resources have gone. Um, I also completely agree on the LinkedIn outreach. I I think we've talked about LinkedIn on here before. It's such a wonderful networking tool, community so building good. tool. And it does also again give you insight into people's style. How do they how do they post and interact on LinkedIn? You know, what are they commenting on? What are they liking? Because you know, again, I can tell you already, I know at Calendly, the who, who's currently like an influencer for the Calendly brand on LinkedIn. I see it. They're here every day. They're liking everything. And those are people that whether or not they're in my department, I will certainly be reaching out to, to say, you know, you seem to be really excited about the work we're doing here. I'd love to get time with you. Like, tell me a little bit about what that looks like and how can, how can I support you and how can we help? Um, yeah, so I think both of these are very good, very good recommendations with maybe, you know, my summary being, this is a chance to be bold. I, I, I think this is a chance to be bold. You were hired at this organization for a reason. The company wants you to make an impact, expects you to make an impact and having strong relationships with the people who work there is going to be a critical way for you to do that. Completely agree. And by being bold, it might mean that your your direct manager might not be introducing you to these people. You go and reach out. And if someone pushes it off and says, listen, welcome, I do need a couple weeks, that is not them being rude. They might just have a lot on. And it's kind of nice. You get a couple extra weeks to learn a little bit more about the business and really ask them some questions. So, But I still think be bold and reach out. And if it's your first week, second week, get time just to meet someone and see what you learn about the business. If they're tougher to get, it's okay if it's four, six weeks down, but still meet them. And you might know a little bit more about the business to help. But I do think the timeline is meet who you can up front. And I think that's probably people who you work directly with and maybe people who are a, a one, one step above you. Um, that's who you could kind of go to meet right away. And then I think yeah. down the road, if there's executives potentially that you're going to meet, depending on your role, maybe two levels above you, I think um, you could have your manager help introduce you, or maybe that's a couple, like six to eight weeks in, 10 weeks in, that's when you might reach up to two levels above you, in my opinion. That's what I would say. Yeah. What would you say? Yeah, I, you know, the thing that came to mind for me when you were just sharing that, it's funny because if anyone had listened to our How to Return from Mat Leave episodes, we talked a lot about kind of like the re-entry. And I remember saying, you know, prioritize your people first and foremost. So if you are a frontline manager, you have people reporting into you. I think 
those are the people that you prioritize, you know, getting with, meeting with, talking with, understanding their world as soon as possible. Um, And then, yes, from there, who are your most critical partners going to be? Who are the people that are supporting your teams or your, um, you know, your group's biggest initiatives and projects? And those people I certainly want to reach out to and get time with. One note maybe on, you know, executives, whether it's the CEO, whether it's the C-suite, I think that it is really, really nice and appropriate to drop a note of just like gratitude and excitement for, even if you're not directly going to work with the CEO or a chief revenue officer, a chief product officer, especially if you met any of those folks through your interview process, I actually really like the idea of dropping them a note and just saying, Hey, Patrick, gosh, I know we met, you know, four or five months ago now, hard to believe, you know, I'm actually here. I just wanted to Mm. take, take a moment and say, our conversation, you know, back in December was, was, you know, a really impactful one for me to get to this decision. I can't wait to work alongside you, um, you know, look forward to seeing you on a future Zoom or, you know, sooner. Just like, I think that that's okay too, because even though you're not going to directly work maybe with those team members, the CEO, et cetera, it's nice to just say, I'm, I'm here. I'm so excited and honored to be here. And if I can do anything to help, I would love to. So reach out. Love that, Molly. I think very, very fair. And what I will say about executives is if you are at a large, large company and maybe yes. maybe you hadn't met the executives in the interview process and you're like, listen, my role, I won't be working closely with them. Fair. But know who the executives are, okay? Even at Glassdoor, I remember that I had a rep that I was like, do you know who our VP of product is? And the rep was like, absolutely not. I'm like, we're a 500-person company. You need to know that. So my other tip on top of that is make sure that you know who the executives are because you don't know a 100,000-person company or not. You don't know when you're going to meet them and you want to know who they are. So that's Um, one of the tips. Yeah, all really good points, Lizzie. And I agree truly across the board. As we think of kind of the final and third topic or tip that we want to share, it's this concept around prioritization, right? And as you come into an organization and you are new, regardless of your role, you are going to be you know, the phrase, quote unquote, drinking from a fire hose, you are going to have so much new information coming at you. It's so important, I think, for your success, both near term and long term to know what you are going to prioritize and don't boil the ocean, right? Like you can't take everything on that you're going to want to, and you can't jump in and solve every single problem. You do need to kind of sit back observe, learn, reflect, and then decide, okay, these are the three things that I'm going to prioritize in my first 90 days. Yes. Yes. And I have a lot of passion around this because I think I've learned some things around it, but I also think I'm not an expert in it. And I actually would love to have a guest on or mall feel free, you know, a guest on that really feels strongly about prioritization and really understanding how to hear through the noise and really get to the prioritization. But I do think you're going to come into a job exactly Molly said any role. And it's like, where do I start? And it can become overwhelming. Um, and I think there was somebody who started at Glassdoor. I'll never forget this. And she started Glassdoor and she came in with, with, with grace, 
a big um, learn it all, not a know it all, interviewed a ton of people, really tried to understand the business. And she came in around 2017, I think, or so. And it was incredible to watch what she did because I loved what she did. She didn't come in and try to rip things out and change things right away. I think it's very important that you build relationships, build trust, and then you you build relationships, you build trust, really try to understand the business, and then make changes. And you can't just make changes, you know, and then eight months down the road, you start making changes. You do have to move at a certain speed, but it's not on day one, you just come in. And that's actually my big thing on prioritization is, is you can't come in and just change the whole org, no matter how many things you see. Um, yeah. A little bit of patience is a good thing and understanding. Yeah. I think that's such a good tip. And it is, it is patience and it is also just trust building. You, you need to remember that, you know, to the, your new colleagues, your new employees, your new boss, you know, you don't have that kind of relationship capital yet. So when you make changes, you, you may not have those relationships developed yet where people know, oh, I know like Liz is this kind of leader. So I trust her and I know she would never yes. steer us wrong. Or, you know, Molly is this kind of colleague. And so I trust her and, you know, I know she's going to be a great partner to me on this. I, I think it's not only prioritization for your own sanity and your own success, but it's, it is also for that relationship capital to your point. You want, you want to be a learn it all. You don't want to be a know it all. You want to be curious, ask questions. And before you make recommendations of things to change, show everybody that you are working with how good your intent is and how curious you've been. One, one note on that, though, I will say, and I, I'm, I'm living this a little bit right now as I'm, you know, ramping at Calendly is there, depending upon the size of your organization and again, the role you're coming in at, you actually may not have a ton of time to, to wait before you are going to be asked and expected to implement some change, right? Um, yes. and that's just the virtue of working, you know, in a startup tech environment. Like I know, you know, Liz, you and I are, are both doing. So in that regard, uh, and I'll share kind of my actual day-to-day approach on this right now, as I'm living through it is I'm really trying to show my vulnerability and my, my gaps in knowledge before making a recommendation. So something like I'll go to my team and say, you know, Hey team, Obviously, you know, I'm, I'm still getting up to speed. I don't feel like I know quite enough to be dangerous yet. So I want your perspective here, but this is my kind of initial quick, quick view on this landscape. And here's what I'm thinking, you know, let's talk through it. And I think almost just disarming people with that. I'm not a know-it-all. I, I don't know exactly everything to do, but I also know I don't have a full quarter to just hang out before some change is going to have to be put into place. Exactly. And I think that that the biggest piece of it though is small, because exactly partially, potentially whatever role you're in, you get hired because some change maybe need to be made. Some it's maybe it's growth, maybe it's change, but something's going to have to happen. And maybe you don't have exactly eight months to do it and you don't have a little bit of time, but I love, especially for leaders on the line, I think the biggest thing and something that I've learned over the years is pull your leaders in or your ICs, if you have, excuse me, individual contributors or whoever is below you, whoever reports to you, try to figure out who is someone that you can trust and kind of has the ear of the team that can kind of help you with that. If it's a decision, you can loop somebody in and say, help me. 
And then they feel empowered and you're all aligned on these changes and what's happening versus making a call in a vacuum a weekend. They're going to say, you didn't even ask us. You didn't even yeah, check. Um, right. And so I love that example, Molly. Um, I think that in situations where you can and you got to move fast, who can you ask around you to help support you in the decision? Yeah. And because you are, again, going back to this relationship capital, you probably don't have it yet. You're a week in, two weeks, three weeks in. You don't have these, you know, kind of moments of proof and evidence of who you are yet as a colleague, employee, or leader. And so what you can do is, to your point, Liz, bring people on the journey with you. Hey, here's how I'm thinking about this, but I know you've been here far longer than I have. You have a bunch of, you know, kind of knowledge and context that I may be lacking, but this is an initiative we have to move forward. So I'd love your perspective. I'd love your help um, kind of creating the buy-in around, around the group that this is the direction we need to go. I think it's really smart. It, it not only helps you start to build that relationship capital, but it also will allow these people that you're bringing in to feel valued and feel like, you know, they, they are part of, um, kind of the, the next phase of whatever the company's in, which again, depending upon your role, but if you are a leader, it's a really important, I think, cultural, um, standard to set, like we're a team and we work together and your perspective is valuable, even though you may have a new boss. Um, so just kind of reflecting on the things we've chatted about through this episode, you know, we've talked about the importance of communication, which has, has been a pretty steady three, ste- um, excuse me, theme, steady theme throughout the sauce. You know, both Liz and I are, are passionate about communication styles and just successful communication with good intent and curiosity. We've talked about prioritizing meeting your people and meeting the other colleagues at your company and kind of how to make introductions, how to maybe stand out, how to make yourself available. Going back to this concept of relationship capital, you know, I think it's really important that you just, you make the time to develop those relationships. And then the last one is this idea of prioritization. Make sure you don't come in and try to just change everything all at once. You're you're not going to set yourself up for success. Candidly, you just probably don't even know enough to do that. So listen, absorb, and yes, yes. Yeah, absolutely. The last thing too, I would say, and then I know we'll, we'll get us out of here is just, I think also Coming with a lot of humility whenever you're in a new environment is, uh, I think, just a really good reminder, right? You know, you you may have been the best person in your role at your last company. You may have been the top of all the things. And I think it's important to, you know, use that as confidence in yourself and your skills, but show up humble and ready to learn. And again, very, very aware of the fact that you don't know everything and and you're excited to, you know, be a part of a new organization where you're going to grow and, and get better. Love it. All right, saucers. Well, thank you. Hopefully this was a useful um, episode for you. And just again, walking away with some tips and tricks to apply to your lives, or if you're not changing jobs, please, you know, share with your friends or family who may be, and these tips are be valuable to them. And always eat dessert. We'll talk to you soon. Bye saucers.
Thank you for tuning in to the Sauce Podcast. We hope you enjoyed our personal anecdotes and biz tips and tricks we shared today. If you wouldn't mind subscribing and or following the podcast on any platform or leaving a one-line review of the podcast, it helps us out tremendously. Thank you, thank you. Molly and I would also like to state that everything stated on this podcast is our own opinions and it's not shared on the behalf of others or on our employers. Thank you.